This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 114th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show, and we have a very special guest today. Anat Natan is a parenting expert, public speaker, and best-selling author of My Everything in Israel. She holds a BA in law from Tel Aviv University and is certified by the Adler Institute and the Ministry of Education for Parental Instruction and Group Instruction. Anat has been featured on TV, radio, podcasts, and in countless print outlets, and her second book about teenagers is due out in Israel this coming spring. Inat lives in Tel Aviv with her husband, Yuval, and her five children. Now translated into English, my everything, the parent I want to be, the children I hope to raise, provides a fresh, more millennial, relationship-based approach to parenting strategy. My everything is a rare mix of professional advice and intimate personal exposure that explores how to understand that your children are doing what they are doing in order to grow and develop and how to release your expectations from them for the sake of their liberty to be who they are. You are going to love this conversation with a knot. She is so real, talks from her heart, shares her well-earned wisdom with us. I am grateful that this interview happened since Israel is at war. I talked to her while she was in a shelter, and we didn't know how long this interview would last because if the siren sounded, she would lose power. She persevered, and I'm so grateful that you will be able to get to know this beautiful human and benefit from her stories and insights. Well, I am so glad that you're here, Anat. so welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. 
Yes. You have five children, right? Yeah. So I wish I had me? more. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> 13 uh, pregnancies and five children. Mm, so, yes, you did try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are the ages of your kids? Ayal is 21. He's a boy. Yav is 19. Lihi is 16. Rona is 13. And Shira is 8. Yes, so you have a lot of teenagers in that yeah, group. I love <laughs> teenagers. By the way, my second book just came out in Israel, and it's all teenagers. I saw that. So how yeah. do you say the name of the title of your book in Hebrew? Chaim Shili. Ah, I like that. Which is, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible that it doesn't have a direct translation. It's, it's a cultural expression that's said between two loved ones. Mm. Uh, and it means my light, my soul, my life, my everything. And in English, we had to pick only one. Yes. So this yes. was the chosen one. Okay, great. I would love to hear your story about how you went to become a parenting counselor and how you wrote My Everything, which I loved your book. I loved oh, it. Thank you. Yeah. So I listened to your book and then I read your book. So it's beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that, you know, when an author writes in a different language, there's always the question, can it carry the message translated? Does it work? So now yes. I'm in that period of time that I'm only waiting and praying for people to read and to react and, and to know if it works. So it's it, so exciting to it hear. It absolutely works. And it's Thank very you. relevant to our culture. So it's wonderful. Thank you. So I've been a parenting uh, expert counselor for the last uh, 19 years, almost 20 and this book actually began when I started to write an online column for a well-known uh, publication in Israel. And it was kind of a personal, you know, like the mommy bloggers, but with all the insights of professional information. But I brought myself and my life into it. And I started receiving all these comments that were, I think that if I have to generalize, they were saying either, oh my God, now I understand my children's viewpoint. Mm, yes. Or thank you so much for sharing. I just want to wake up my kids and hug them. And especially... You didn't tell us what to do, but now I know what to do, mm. which was kind of exciting. Yeah. And I thought to myself, maybe there was something in here because when I was a new mom, I found that know-it-all, quote-unquote, experts always ended up making me feel like there was something wrong either with me or with my children. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that maybe I, I had something that can make space for parents to feel imperfect, but then also provide tools for dealing 
with parenthood and we all know that it's the hardest job in the world. Yes, it is. It is. So that's how the book was born. Yeah. You did a very good job of that. It was very uh, empathic towards the mother and towards the kids. And I relate to that because it's interesting when I wrote my book, I've been a, a licensed marriage and family therapist for decades. As I wrote that book and why it took me five years to write is I went from kind of writing it from more of an academic place to by the time I finished the book, it was just more real. It was just because I was living it with my own daughter. And I, I had that sense with you also full of wisdom, but very, very relatable to moms. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You have a lot of wonderful little chapters and they're not too long. No, and they're it's for moms, right? Yeah. We don't have time. <laughs> Which I love. And they're beautiful chapters. By the so, way, the whole book was written on the notes in my smartphone. You know, in the kitchen, in the car, on the way of picking them up, in the bathroom. <laughs> I've never opened up a computer. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I I love that. So true. If you're raising five kids, I can imagine. Yeah. Yes. So I have written down some, some of the chapters I really loved and I think are super relatable to moms. And one of them is about worry, where you said, when we worry, we miss out. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing in Hebrew... There is a verb from worrying. It's very interesting. It's the only language that, you know, you can say the Jewish moms or whatever, (laughs) but we turned it into a verb. Like when you want to say, I took care of my daughter having the sandwich inside her bag. Uh Uh-huh. I worried that my daughter would have the sandwich. Seriously. So I kind of had to deconstruct the worry issue because having children is encountering worries on so many levels, right? So many, yes. We like it's worries and guilt, I think, equally. Right. (laughs) And 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 we have to unpack both guilt and worry. Yes. And I think that the thing that was most helpful to me was that I understood that when I worry, but not the worry of, you know, the fight or flight system that was born in order for me to save my children. Right. But worry as a state of mind. Yes. I am only into myself. I'm telling myself a story that I worry about someone else. This story allows me to feel like a good mom. Mm -hmm. But actually, what I'm doing is I'm having an inner dialogue with myself, with my childhood experiences, with my tendency to 
or fear of losing control. And my kids suffer when I worry. They suffer, you know, because you don't want to tell a worried mom anything bad that happened to you. Right. And if we go to teenagers, (laughs) this is a war zone when you have a worried mom, right? Yes, yes, yes. So I I think the most common uh, thing that I hear from moms about worries is, okay, I got it, but how do I stop worrying? And the thing is that sometimes we Keep the part, you know, we so wouldn't want to get tips or instructions or how-tos. But I think that just by understanding that it doesn't make us better moms mm-hmm. and it, sh- it, it sure enough doesn't help our kids to function better or to be more safe or and control. Okay, we don't have to have that conversation because <laughs> we all know. I hope we all know that we have no control. Yes. Yeah, I've talked to moms who have said, and I think a lot of moms feel this, that my job is to worry 24-7. Yeah. They've, and they've I know. Honey. Oh, my God, I want to <laughs> hug them. Yeah. And it's so exhausting. It is so exhausting. And you're right. We are so full of our story of something that hasn't happened yet. And kind of like you talked in your chapter, we miss, we miss our kids who are right there. We miss them. Definitely. So you know what I say to these moms, you can worry at night after they go to sleep. Seriously. (laughs) You can worry, you know, you can take a table at a restaurant and sit with your husband and talk about your worries. It's okay. But when they breathe the air of the worrying mother, it's, it, it's a polluted air. That is so good. It's so true. Yes. We could talk about that the whole time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You're talking to a mother of two soldiers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> In oh, my a goodness. In Israel. Oh, my goodness. What do you do with that? I'll tell you a story what happened yesterday. I have two boys. They're not at the front. You know, we raised geeks. (laughs) So (laughs) luckily, they're working in units of, you know, computers and intelligence. And but they get out in the morning they are wearing uniform. They go to the base uh, and the, they drive a bus. And in the morning, the, my oldest son, the bus was supposed to take him into the station. But the city that he serves in is there are Arabs and Jews in the same city. So the bus driver told him, I'm afraid to go inside the city. And he dropped him out of the city and he needed to walk frightening area to Mm. get to his base Mm. okay so I'm at home Mm. and he calls me and he tells me mommy he just dropped me I need to walk a half an hour and a day before Arab 
lynched civilians and soldiers, and he's obviously in a danger zone, potentially. Yes, yes. Does my worry affect reality? <laughs> right, right. And if I worry, who am I with? I'm with my, myself. He's not, my worry does not help him. So I stayed with him on the line and we joked and he walked all the way and he got to the base. And, and I told him I didn't have a doubt. You're, you're amazing. <laughs> Four hours later, my mm. second son, I get a phone call from his base and a friend tells me that he disappears and they can't find him and he's disconnected. Mm. Now we're at war, okay? <laughs> Soldiers have been kidnapped. Yes. So this is what goes through my head. What can I do? Pray? Yeah. Believe yeah. that everything will work out? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I've suffered some tragedies throughout my life. Yes. And I know that... First of all, you never get a phone call before. No one, no one, you know, lets you know that in four hours something's going to happen that's going to turn your life upside down and you're going to have no control over it. And when it happens, it happens. So we need to deal with everything that happens when it happens. And I think worries is something that throws us either to the future yes connects us to our fears or whatever or to the past yeah but it's never ever in the here and now it's never yeah yeah so that's a beautiful story how you say stayed present with your son as he walked through those dangerous parts of the city yeah, yeah. 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 And it's the same, you know, people can say, oh, wow, that's a, that's an extreme story. But it's, it's the same when my daughter, you know, calls from summer camp and says that the girls are mean to her. <laughs> we all yes. know that phone call, you know, she's yes. crying and she's, yes. you know, she's in the flight and flight mode. She's stressed out. Yes. And now... If I had had that experience when I was growing up, I'm not with her. If I'm worried about her, you know, not making it through to the end, I'm not with her. If I'm, I can check all the boxes. Yes. Worry doesn't help here. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. My daughter, she's now 25, but when she's maybe like 22, she was driving from California back to Texas, and she's calling me like at, you know, 1130 at night telling me I'm so, so tired, and she still had a couple hours to go. Wow. So I was on the phone with her until she drove into the city. But it's, yes, it's being there. It's being present. Yes. Yeah, I think that when we look at worries and I'm, I'm going to widen the perspective a bit as an extension of our ego, it's easier. Do you get what I'm trying to say? 
Yeah. And I think that in parenting, the first mission and the hardest, by the way, is to take our ego and put it inside a bag and <laughs> zip lock it and throw it into the ocean because it's not about us. Yeah. It's about the relationship. It's about, you know, of course it's about us, but not in a way that we can be, you know, the main actors. Yes. Yes. I know in the United States, we have a lot of pressure on mothers and pressure on, on our teens. And we are in a culture of productivity and perfectionism. And so, yes, yeah, so that's when moms can, their egos get on the line. Like, am I a good mom or a bad mom based on how well, you know, my son or daughter are, are performing. And especially like, I think when we get caught up in the perfectionism, we're avoiding feeling judged by somebody. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, my oldest son was, was my best teacher. I think that everyone that knows me, even for a short time, can say that I'm a people's person. Okay, mm -hmm. I love to communicate with people. I love to listen to people, to talk to people. I, I'm good at it. It's what drives me. Yes. And I waited to be a mother for so many years. We had stillbirth with twins. And by the way, I wrote all about it. So this is the beginning of my story. But when I held him in my arms, you know, you can only imagine. Yes. What kind of expectations were projected on this poor infant. <laughs> <laughs> And sure enough, by the age of two and a half, he's diagnosed with autism. Okay, mm. so I'm this communicator mm. and he's here to teach me that he's not here to echo my greatness. He's not my calling card. He's not my business card. He's even not my social media profile. Yes. He's here for him. And I need to do the hardest job of letting go of the fantasy and yeah. simultaneously letting go of all these expectations or the outside noise, as I call it, because, you know, we all know the outside noise. Yes. yes. And it can be loud. Yes, for sure. So yeah. I'm for raising mediocre but happy children. <laughs> I'm always saying to my children, just, just good enough, good enough. And yeah, we don't care about what people think. And you know, it's funny because when you let go of this fantasy, mm -hmm. what you really see is that children really want to excel. Yes. yes, nature's best way. When you don't take responsibility, when you don't see them as your calling card, they do pretty well. That's so true. I love that. You had a chapter called Woo Them. Hmm. <laughs> Can you talk about that? Yeah, of course. 
I think that any parent that has been blessed with having a teenager yes. knows the feeling of rejection, the feeling of what once, you know, gave us the most significant feeling that, you know, we ever got from anything, the child that he or she was when they weren't teenagers, the God that I was <laughs> in their eyes, you know, yes, this, yes, this, this highway of two ways, you know, I'll give you a sense of meaning and you'll give me back this sense of meaning. Yes, and, yes. And when they step into adulthood, you get this end of the romance, sleeping with the enemy <laughs> show that you can't wash away the feeling of betrayal, the feeling of losing control, not being significant. They're even ashamed of us. Mm-hmm. They're locked mm-hmm. inside their rooms. They roll mm-hmm. up their eyes every time we say something. I was getting dressed, you know, last week for a lecture and my teenage girl looked at me and, you know, she screened me with her eyes. <laughs> and I swear to God, I, I wore a pretty dress. And she told me, so I think now ugly is in fashion, huh? Oh, oh, goodness. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, a day-to-day example of this... <laughs> This thing that we need to inhale, like we have roommates that are not paying the bills, right? Mm -hmm. They're not helpful. They live with us. They're, you know, they talk like grownups. They walk like (laughs) grownups, but but they're not ready. They are not ready. They're definitely not ready. One of the things that parents don't see or don't understand is, first of all, how hard it is for them to be in that age. Mm -hmm. How hard it is to make that journey of separation when they're still inside the house. Yes. You know, in the 20s or hundreds of years, there were only kids and adults. Yes. We are raising, you know, grown-up people that need to do this psychological process, go through all that separation process, and I'm I'm going to cringe your stomach a little more. They need to come out at the end being able to function and be happy even if we're gone. So this is it. And the practice begins with us. Yes. But... What they're not saying is that, first of all, they're still small children. Yes, yes. And that up until a year, six months, two years, three years, we were their everything and they were our everything. Mm -hmm. And now it's gone. They still didn't get married. So they have no alternate person in that slot they need us present yes and they definitely need us not to get impressed by this whole you know act of 
just leave me alone. And here comes the woo. (laughs) Okay. Because what they really wish for and they're not saying is, please, mommy and daddy, don't give up. Don't come back after work, even if I'm closed in my room and Mm -hmm. say, why did I bother? I can have a third career. Nobody even looks at me or talks at me. And even when I talk, she rolls her eyes. And when I enter, she just wants me to leave. And when I start a conversation, I have like two minutes max (laughs) in her tension spent. And we get confused by it. And what what they really need from us is not to let go. Yes, yes. And knock on their door and have these conversations, but not in a way of, you know, the worried or the inspecting or the the non-trusting parent, but the caring, the loving. Yes. And it's hard because they're not lovable, not the same as they were when they were cute. And, you know, we took pictures of them and we held them when they were small. Yes, it is true. Yes. So those teenagers are good for helping us let go of our egos. Oh, wow. I think that if we hadn't learned the lesson by the age of 10, (laughs) we will definitely get it in our face. (laughs) Yes. But I like the, the whole thing of woo them because if we don't get drawn into their drama is the word I use for it. Yeah. And we stay grounded and stable in our own self. And I used to send my daughter texts of our dog. (laughs) And that was one way I wooed her. Like the dog was our kind of our bridge. And it was playful. Having a little playfulness with my daughter helped her put down the edge. Sure. And they're fun. Teenagers are fun. Wow. They're the best. I put up a story three weeks ago on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in my car and I was saying, okay, our teenagers are at school. Let's make an experiment. Take the phone and text your teenager. Hi, I was thinking about you. I miss you. And send a heart. And I asked people to screenshot their responses. Oh, that's neat. And I got, I think, more than 20,000 screenshots. And here's the thing. There were the category of who are you, what have you done with my mom, what happened to you, you know, that was the response. Are you cheating on dad? What do you need? Uh Then there were the manipulative... (laughs) Can I buy sneakers that I asked for yesterday? Uh, I want to get that tattooed. Then there were the teenagers that you saw that it was a part of the language. You know, they weren't surprised. And they either didn't respond, which is normal. Yes. Or responded, you know, four hours later, just, you know, thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up. I just said I loved you. You know, here is our ego again. (laughs) Yes. But what I try to say through that experiment is it doesn't matter what the response is. Yes. We are the ones that 
need to keep this muscle working. They are yes. the ones that need to hear it. And when did we stop? Yes. No? yes. And many moms for young children just wrote, I can't believe that one day I won't say it like 20 times a day. Yes, yes. And I'm like, like honey, believe it. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's a hard thing. Yes. And I think what as moms we forget is how hard our teens are on themselves. We only see the tip of the iceberg and we don't know how their friends are treating them during the day or what's really going on in their hearts. And so we see the after and we think it's personal about us, but it's really about they're having a hard time. And so when we don't react to that and we say, I love you, it's exactly what they need. Wow. It's like watering a plant. Oh, that's a beautiful metaphor. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. is. And I think that, you know, sometimes I sit down with parents of teenagers and I, I take them for a memory walk and I ask them about their teenage years. Okay? Yes. Just curious answers. And I ask them, how were you at 15, you know, socially? Did you like how you looked when you looked in the mirror? Did you go, wow, I'm so amazing? (laughs) What were your struggles? Yes. And you know, when the chips start to fall, when we start remembering, it was long ago, but we can go back there. Yes. It was awful. Yes, it was. (laughs) Yes. So remembering is helpful. And now it's... much harder. It's much harder. Yes, it is. With all the social media. And with us knowing everything. Yeah. You know, our parents gave us much more freedom. We were much more independent. True. You know, they didn't have, you know, the school on the auto dial on or the app or the, they didn't know every single minute of the day who where, what we've done. Yes. It's interesting because I'm, I'm writing a book for moms of 18 to 25 year old um, daughters. And so. mission. Yeah. (laughs) So I asked my moms, what would you have done differently the last year at home? And what do you miss? (laughs) And I got You know, I miss everyone had their little thing that they did that was very intimate between them and their daughter. You know, they they missed watching a a show together. They missed, you know, singing on the back porch. They missed cuddling in bed. They missed just all these different things. And and moving. Yeah. And they they were like, if I was going to give advice to moms who have teens still at home is like, don't miss that. These ordinary hearing them laugh with their friends in their room Mm. and all those just ordinary things. You just don't want to take those things for granted. Yeah. And I think that we know today from research that people at the end of their lives, you know, they don't regret the job they didn't take or the house they didn't buy. They, re- they regret ex- these exact things that the relationship they weren't invested in enough or the time they didn't spend or the words they didn't say enough. So we do have this chance of just being 
present and having this invitation to have this correction to make it different. When I talk to moms, a lot of times what I see is they can fall into the trap of feeling like they, what I say is a 24-7 monitor. You're telling your kids you need to get up, you need to eat, you need to get your homework done, you need to go take a bath, you need to give me your phone. And it's so easy to fall into the trap of that's the only way you relate to your teens. And what I love about your book, and I believe so strongly about the relationship, that there are many facets to our connection with our kids. We don't want to just have that one facet where we're just telling them what to do all the time. Who likes to hang around someone who just does that? Definitely. (laughs) And I tell moms, would you want to go? I think that when they're teenagers, they screen us so effectively, you know? Yeah. we're like the noise of the air condition. We're, we're t- <laughs> you know, sometimes I hear myself and I have to, you know, I, ha- I can start laughing. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking? Why are my mother's words coming out of my mouth when I swore that it's, it's not going to happen? <laughs> it is true. What are some things that you have learned that can help them enjoy their teenagers more or enjoy their life with teenagers more? So I think that we've already checked the box on the first thing, which would be to remember ourselves in those years. Yes. And sometimes it's not even ourselves. It's it's the wish that we carried Mm -hmm. to be understood or to enter a space that is called home, but it doesn't feel like home Mm -hmm. because there's too much criticism or Mm -hmm. too much pressure or too much disappointment. Yeah. And we hear that, I hear that today from teenagers all over the place, you know. Mm -hmm. We have so much pressure on the outside and when we enter our homes, then we get our parents' pressure. It doesn't feel like a home, like the home that we really need. So I think that the first thing would be to remember that we are this mothership or this fuel tank or this gas station, whatever, that you know needs to provide them this place that they will be invited to be who they are and to feel the whole range of emotions and not to be perfect. And I think that Banksy said, I love the sentence, we are willing to do everything, everything for our children, except to accept them for who they really are. So Mm. I think that Mm. when they're teenagers, there's this stress of you know, we have only three more years to go and then they're gone and we need to get them straight before they're gone. And and we miss out on the main event. Yes, yes. The main event is having even the tolerance or the, the patient and the knowledge, you know, if we were raising them in the village and... I, with my experience, could look at a young mother 
with a 12-year-old girl and say to her, don't worry. The fact that she's rolling her eyes, that's what she's supposed to do. Yeah. And at night I would tell her, just, just knock on her door and don't go back to her insulting you earlier. And just ask her how she was. And yeah. if you have a boy... Start negotiating when they will hug you because they don't want to hug you. Will you hug me in my birthday? Can I hug your earlobe? Just <laughs> let me, you know, and be these people that just invite them to exist in our present. And, yes. you know, sometimes I look at myself and I judge myself as well, because when they enter, even when they, you know, when they open the door of the house, okay, Yes. When they were small and I used to pick them up from kindergarten. Yes. yes. You know, and I saw them after the day. My eyes lit, you know, yes. I called their name. I asked how their day went. Yes. You know, they felt like my world isn't the same without their presence. Yes. When yes. they were babies and they woke up from... I don't know, for, from a nap, I was waiting there and saying, hi, good morning. <laughs> and now they're 15, they're opening the door. I'm on the phone, you know, <laughs> in a good day, I'm raising my eyes and saying, hi, the food is in the, you know, you can go ahead and make yourself, because that's what interested, they're hungry, right? They're not into me or... <laughs> And I abandoned that role of, you know, this is the only place, the only place in their reality that has the potential of accepting them for who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big job. Yeah. And that's a big present. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, simple things like like you just said is when they come home, that our face lights up when we see them. Yeah, yeah. And we're not grilling them with a lot of questions. Um, yeah, it's, it's not productive, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's not productive. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Yes. You know, it's, 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 it's the same. I always had the fantasy of family dinners or holidays or meals of yeah and I've learned in an early age that when I focus you know when they were young it was always focusing on you know what they ate or how they ate it or how much mess they made or they finished after 35 seconds and I wanted I had this fantasy of making a long conversation with a four-year-old that <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I was never present in my celebration mode or fun mode. And when they grow up, it's always this inquiry of, did you call uh, to get the appointment for the dentist? How was the, the test in history? Or uh, it's not fun to sit <laughs> and have dinner. with, and, and then we're wondering why they just want to go back to their room. Right. So we should take responsibility for it. And yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's it's not easy. It sounds easy, but it's hard. 
Yeah, because those things are forefront in your mind and you have to remind yourself that what is helpful with some of my moms is having them write down what is it that they appreciate or what do they delight in their teen because sometimes we don't think about that and one thing that you're saying is like us choosing who do we want to be when they come home yeah that's what we can control it's not just who we want to be it's like if the walls of your house could talk. Yes. You know, what kind of atmosphere? Yes. Would, would you want, what is the story of this family? Yes. How much are you laughing? How much joy is there? Yes. How yes. much are you taking things personally? How much stress? How much we share th- secrets or shame or inner thoughts? Yes. Yes. So it, it's much more than that. It's it's really being the architectures of their future memories of what is yes. home. That's beautiful. Yes, that's beautiful. Yes, because our teens, animals, young young people all over the place are so sensitive to not just our words, but to the energy we bring. Yeah. So yeah. like you said, the- sometimes you don't, you don't even mean to bring that energy. You just move your eyebrow, not in the right <laughs> direction and, and they attack you. Yes. Neurologically, that's, we all know. I'm so happy by the way that today, you know, it's not just all on hormones. Like when yes. I was growing up. So today yeah. we do have, you know, science on our side. Just, yes. you know, telling us, hey, don't take it personally. It's it, She's feeling like a lion is attacking her now. Yes. You just walk not in a right. <laughs> yes. That's one of these mornings. You yes. know, she's having a bad hair day. Yes. That's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> passion, I think, as well. Yes, a lot of compassion. Because if we're compassionate to our teens... We can be compassionate to ourselves. Oh, but yes. Beautifully said, yes. Yeah. Well, this has been such a joy to be able to, to speak with you. And so your book, My Everything, is here. Um, it's in English, but it's yeah. also, it's in lots of translations. Can you say, talk about that? Uh, it's in the process of, you know, the United States is the first translation, but we have China, Korea, Russia, Romania, Croatia, Holland. We're excited. Wonderful. That is so exciting. That I'm hopeful exciting. that it will get in the hands of as many parents as possible. Yes. Well, it is definitely worth reading for sure. Thank you so much. So do you have any last advice for our moms? I'm very added advices (laughs) any thoughts on your whatever whatever's on your heart I think that when we talked about letting go of the fantasy you know of what they should be we need to let go of the fantasy of what we were supposed to be because we had this perfect picture either you know with teenagers how cool of a mom I will be and I'm not, or <laughs> with toddlers. I, I don't know. Anyone, everyone has the fantasy of what kind of parent they were supposed to be. And, and I think it 
it, it, it creates a lot of noise because, you know, it shatters. It shatters so quick. And, and, and parenting, you know, it's so complicated, but I want to say it's so simple. Yeah. It's so simple. It's not supposed to be that complicated because if we take mm-hmm. care of these relationships, if we take care of being this space and even neglect the rest, they will turn out quite fine. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know it was a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, but we've made it. (laughs) We did make it. No sirens. Yes. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.